return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Hello! So can we put this light on? I feel like I'm in a shadow. I'll just move closer. Can you see me okay? Thank you, Roger. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we thank you. We love you. We praise you. We invite your precious Holy Spirit. Mm, thank you for the power of your word, that living seed. Asperma, hallelujah, may it meet with hearts that are hungry today and open, Lord. Mm. Thank you for your glory, for your power, for your majesty. Thank you for your presence. In your presence is the fullness of joy, and we thank you, Lord, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Well, we're going to talk this morning about Elizabeth one of the characters from the Christmas story. Hallelujah. Whoops. you got to get rid of that top line. That's not supposed to be there. It's supposed to be just Elizabeth. What people used to say, giant privileges was the top line of my last message. Oh, well. Y'all know we're going to talk about Elizabeth. So let's just get started. We're going to read a bit of Elizabeth's story from Luke chapter 1. We will start in verse 1, and I'm reading it from the New Living Testament, just a little different flavor, okay? So here we go. Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They used the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, this is Luke talking, I've also decided to write an accurate account for you most honorable Theophilus, so you can be certain of the truth of everything that you are taught. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah and his wife Elizabeth, also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. Picture, very old. That's none of us, right? All right, verse 8. One day Zechariah was serving in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and to burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken, overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. A prayer prayed years and years and years before this day. 
your wife Elizabeth will give you a son and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. This is part of the Nazarite vow. Same vow that Samson was under. Well, Jesus for that matter too. (laughs) He will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and the power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Now, we're just going to stop right here for a minute because um, I want to turn to a passage in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3 and 4, prophecies that were given in the Old Testament in regards to this life of John the Baptist and the power, the very destiny that he had from birth, from way before his birth, to prepare the hearts of the people for for the coming of the Son of God. Here it is, Isaiah 40, verse 3. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And that still happens, friends, whenever... I mean, it's a beautiful prayer. Any of us can pray that anytime. Prepare the way. And this is something God does. He brings the high stuff lower. He brings that which is down up. Straightens out the crooked, makes the rough places plain. Well, let's go back to Luke chapter 1, verse 17. I guess I read that part already. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, how am I going to be sure? I just don't get it. How is this going to happen? I'm an old man. My wife is also well along in years. And the angel said, listen, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. He's the one who sent me with this good news. And now since he did not believe what I said, in other words, You didn't even believe what God said, because God is speaking through me. (laughs) You are going to be silent, unable to speak until this child is born. My words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering what's taking him so long. Verse 22, when he finally did come out, he couldn't speak, couldn't say a word. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that, He must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. And soon afterward, his wife, Elizabeth, the one very old, very well along in years, is pregnant. And she went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed, probably every single morning. Every single afternoon, every single evening, how kind the Lord is. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. The King James says right here, he has taken away my reproach. Which, friend, is something he has done, wants to do for every one of us. 
This is part of Elizabeth's story, and it really should be a part of every one of our story. I don't care what. Now, by reproach, we don't use that word nowadays, but we're talking about disgrace, like the New Living Testament says. We're talking about an embarrassment. I mean, I want you to think while I'm talking about this now of something that maybe happened in your life, something that humiliated you, something that embarrassed you. Maybe it wasn't even, um, I think it's one of the translations that calls it a public disgrace. Maybe it's something that happened in your family that terribly embarrassed you as a child. I grew up with a mother that was an alcoholic. I mean, it's, I don't know if anybody else has, has lived like that, but there's a book out there called Perfect Daughters. And uh, that was kind of a revelation to me because I knew that I had this perfectionist kind of trait. But (laughs) that is so funny. (laughs) But uh, I didn't realize it was kind of rooted in my upbringing because, you know, you feel this pressure to be perfect. I mean, even my father would say, if you just wouldn't do this, Debbie, she wouldn't drink. Or if you would stop doing this, I mean, there's this pressure to be perfect. Just say the right thing, do the right thing, and then it'll all be great. But it doesn't work that way. And so this whole matter of reproach, something that caused you shame, maybe something you did, I did, something somebody in your family did that caused you embarrassment. Um, Here's some of the definitions of reproach. Dishonor, disgrace. Rebuke. Um, one, one of my family members was called into this meeting. And I guess I've been, I've been in one of those meetings too. I don't know. Have you ever had higher-ups call you into their office to chat with you? And they proceed to tell you all your faults and all the things that are wrong with you and why we just don't approve of you, that sort of thing. You know, I mean, that's the kind of thing Jesus, the, the Word of God is talking about here. When Elizabeth says this statement, he has taken away my disgrace, and King James says he has removed my reproach. I mean, we got to understand, here, let's look at this next scripture. Um, Psalm 69, 7, and then we're going to go over to verse 9. I guess I didn't finish the definitions of, um, of reproach, loss of reputation. I don't know. I tend to put my foot in my mouth. Maybe none of you ever do that, but... I've said something that got me in a whole lot of trouble. And I think this is also what this verse is talking about. A reproach, a disgrace, an embarrassment. Like, oh, I said that. Now everybody's thinking this. And here's another one. Um, Loss of reputation. To be accused. Maybe you were accused of something that you were completely innocent of. Maybe you were accused of something you really did do. And just, it's still a reproach. So here's what Psalm 39 says. And now, Lord, what wait I for? Is this right? 69. Can we get Psalm 69? I'm so sorry. Psalm 69, verse 7. The ESV puts it like this. For it is for you, for your sake, that I have borne reproach. I guess I really do want you to see it, so we'll just wait patiently. It was for your sake 
And you've got to hear, this is Jesus talking. I have borne reproach. Okay, talk to me about what kind of reproach, what kind of disgrace, what kind of dishonor did Jesus take? Any? I know you know. I mean, how do you, can you, he hung naked on the cross. That's major dishonor. I mean, the religious leaders of the day, they're calling him Beelzebub. All your power is from, from hell, from the devil. I mean, he went through a whole lot. The whipping alone, being beat to a pulp. They pulled out his beard. I mean, for a man, that's a terrible disgrace. Extreme. What Jesus is saying here is, I have borne reproach. Shame has covered my face, and the reproaches of them that reproach thee are fallen upon me. In other words, Jesus is saying, I already took it for you. I took every embarrassment, every insult, every disgrace, every one of those loss of reputation. Maybe some of you are still carrying some of that around. I don't know. uh, Grace was talking to me about a book she's reading where a lot of people bear certain diseases. Pains in your body are still connected to junk like that when you were young. Have you ever been called? You're good for nothing. You know, I mean, those kind of things. I read this book, um, The Veil, where this young man, as a three-year-old, he started to see in the spirit world. And, you know, the whole book is about him dealing with that and how to... How, but anyway, what he was talking about was he'd, he'd go to, like, Starbucks, and he'd see people sitting at the table with these weird things, like, all over their face or a big hole in their stomach or their arm all mangled. And... It was in the spirit world, that's what happens when we carry around these reproaches. What I'm trying to say is Jesus wants us free, just like Elizabeth announced, he hath taken away my disgrace. He hath borne my reproach. Um, There's a story in the scripture. um, There's a story in Joshua chapter 5, the whole business of right before they were going to take conquest of and possess the um, promised land, where they were commanded to first circumcise all their men. And the word of the Lord came to Joshua that day afterwards. Do we have Joshua chapter 5, verse 9? They, tied, they, they called this hill of the foreskins Gilgal. And I know Gilgal has several different meanings, but one of the meanings of Gilgal is this right here. The Lord said to Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off of you. Now here this word reproach has a little bit, and I should finish it. Wherefore the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. Here the the reproach of Egypt actually has to do with the contempt. I don't know, any one of you ever been hated? Ever been detested? Ever gone through... um, I mean, they hated the Jews in Egypt. That's why they treated them like slaves. But this is what the Lord says. I have now rolled it away. It is gone. Friends, this is the will of the Lord to remove every one of these things because he wants us free. He doesn't want us carrying around wounds. He doesn't want us carrying around these hurts or these disgraces. Um, Now, again, can we go back to Luke chapter 1? Verse 25, like I said, the good word, God's word translation calls it 
Here it is. The Lord has done this. He has removed my public disgrace. It might be public. It might be private. But all I know is God never meant for you to carry it. Never meant for you to carry it. He wants us free. Hallelujah. The New Century Version says, My people were ashamed of me. Ooh, think of that. My people. And why? Because she couldn't have a child. I don't know. In our society today, what is it? What's embarrassing these days? <laughs> okay, that's true. But we are the people of God. We are not going to walk in any kind of shame, any kind of guilt, because Jesus took it all. He took it all. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Mm. Well, let's go on then, shall we? Verse 26 of, uh, here we go. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, I don't know, I feel spiritually like I just, I'm supposed to stop a minute. Can you just hand those reproaches? Can you hand those embarrassments? Can you handle the, hand those disgraces over to Jesus just right now in the spirit world? Father, thank you. Thank you that you took our every embarrassment. You took our every reproach. You took our every shame. Every name we were ever called. Thank you, Jesus. Every bit of contempt that was towards us, Lord, thank you that it's on you now. You took it all and you rolled it away. In Jesus' name, thank you. We are free people. Glory to God. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, now God sent this angel, the same angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Now, most of you have maybe heard my, um, I've shared in the scripture, well, let's back up. I'll just pretend I haven't never said it before because you would love, you'll hear it again and you'll love it. Anyway, you know, entire religions honor Mary in a great way and she is worthy of honor. But they all base it on this verse right here that says, greetings, favored woman, or the King James says, highly favored one. Now that Greek word, for highly favored one, shows up again in Ephesians chapter 1. I think it's verse 6. Did I give that scripture to you, Jeremy? Can we look at that one? Ephesians 1, 5 and 6. Having predestinated, meaning chosen us, unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, all according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us, Accepted in the beloved. That phrase right there, accepted in the beloved, is the identical Greek word spoken by Gabriel to Mary, the mother of Jesus, when he said, highly favored one. So there's a declaration for you, friend. I am the highly favored one. Hey, say that with me. I'm the highly favored one. And then look at that next verse. Well, I gave you one more here too, didn't I? Yeah, there's one more. Verse 7, in whom we have redemption. Well, that's a whole sermon in itself, right? Okay, so let's go back to Luke chapter 1, 
that verse 28, because there's one more phrase that Gabriel spoke to Elizabeth that day. He said, greetings, favored woman, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. I hope you say that every day to yourself. The Lord is with me. Let's hear it. The Lord is with me. Praise the Lord. So verse 29 then goes on. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think, what's the angel talking about? He says, don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, for you have found favor with God. Mm, Underline it. That's about you too, friend. You have found favor with God. Can we go on here? Oh, I know. I do have another verse here, don't I? Because I wanted us to get a little bit more insight in this, to this God of ours. I don't know who was, the, who was saying something the other, the other day. I think it was Peter about how we should never be proud or arrogant. But that should probably be the one sin that shows up the most in the body of Christ if we really understand who we are. Highly favored. The Lord. The mighty one, Elohim, the creator of the universe, is with us, in us, inseparably connected to us. Yeah, a little pride should be showing up a whole lot because we know who we are. Um, But this thing about favor is that that's just who God is. Look at Psalm uh, 145, verse 8. It says the Lord is gracious. That's who he is. He's full of compassion. He's slow to anger. He's of great mercy. Gracious simply means disposed to show favor. He's just walking around looking for who can I show favor to today? Who can I pour out my grace on today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So back to verse 31. Now the angel has a few tidbits to share with Mary. You're going to conceive. You're going to give birth to a son. You are to name him Jesus. He will be very great. Say that with me. Very great. And he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary said, I don't know how. How can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Friend, this is how God does it all. It's the Holy Spirit. He comes on us. He shows up. Hallelujah. And the power overshadows us. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. And then I think he just bent over and just whispered in Mary's ear. Your relative Elizabeth. She's pregnant. Now that's gossip from heaven. (laughs) That's gossip from heaven. Your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say, pay attention to that phrase right there because we're going to unpack that one. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son And she is now in her sixth month, for the word of the Lord will never fail. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. So that little phrase in verse 36 says, people used to say, hmm, what did people used to say about you? And I wonder, are you living by what they said, or are you living by what 
God says. People used to say I was real insecure. But you know what? I'm founded on the rock. Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And I'm forever stable. People used to say I was an emotional wreck. And I might have been. But that's not what God said. That's not what God sees to this day. I'll just tell you, when I was a little girl, my mother pulled me aside and said, Debbie, I just want you to know that this one doctor says that you might, you might end up in a mental institution someday. Like, okay, so that's one of those uh, disgraces that we talked about earlier, one of those negative words that we do not have to take. And I'm not going to take it. But we, you all have choices just like this. People have said things to you. People have called you names. People have described you. People used to say, scratch it all. Go by what God says. Hallelujah. People used to say I was sick, that I was needy, that I was weak. The truth is, I am whole. I am complete in Jesus Christ. Colossians 2.10. I am complete in him, in Christ. Glory to God. It's Christ in me. He's my hope of glory. Hallelujah. I did give you Colossians 1.11, right? Because I think every one of us deal with that. The enemy is constantly whispering how tired you are, how weak you are. You're getting old. <laughs> You're all smiling at me like, you hear these voices, don't you? Yeah, throw them out. Yeah, you just... Stamp them, attention denied. No, my youth has been renewed like the eagles. And here's Colossians 1.11. This describes you and me, friends, in Christ. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. Whew, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. The passion for this strengthened with all might says energized. I did, did I give you that one? Oh, perfect. Whew. Energized with all of his explosive power. Whew. Say that with me, friend. I'm energized with all his explosive power. Hey, you got to say that one again. I am energized with all his explosive power. From where? Is it because of you worked out yesterday? <laughs> Maybe not, huh? Is it because you took a certain vitamin? No, it's from the realm of his magnificent glory. Oh, friends, we've just got to get excited about this spirit of God within us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I've made a choice to agree with what God says. Not with what people used to say. Hallelujah. Hebrews 11.34 is just one more little place I wanted to show you. This business of strength. Because here's the destiny of Deb Callsbeck. Even when I was 14-year-old, and I did look like an emotional wreck. And people did say, oh, she's never going to make it. Out of weakness, we're made strong. This is right out of the hall of faith. Hebrews chapter 11. And friend, that describes you and me. Hallelujah. Well, I mean, I guess I can't leave it just go there because one more thing where, where the Bible said in, in um, Luke chapter 1, people used to say she was barren. That's a description that they used for me. Eleven and a half years. 
She can't have any children. She can't have any children. Those poor people, they can't have any babies. But you know what? God had a different plan, and that's not what he said from the very beginning. He never said that. Every time I opened the word of God, he kept saying, the barren woman will keep house and be a joyful mother of children. I don't know. What are some things they said you can't do? They told me. I still have people that say, you can't preach. Well, I think I can. (laughs) And uh, what are some other things? Uh, You can't play the piano on a professional level. You'll never make it. Well, I I do it every day. (laughs) Hallelujah. They'll tell you, you can't start that business. You can't have a successful marriage. You'll never beat that addiction. Hey, they told David, you can't go up against that giant. But he did and he won. They told Daniel, you can't pray with a window open. He did. Yeah, they threw him into the lion's den, but who met him in the lion's den? God sent the angel to close the lion's mouth. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego commanded, you bow down to that statue or you'll die. They honored God. They chose to go by what God says instead of what people had to say. Hallelujah. When you choose to honor God, friends, He will always show up bigger than your problem. Praise God. So I don't know what the narrative of your story is. Is it about what you've done? Is it about, or is it about what you've become in Christ? Is it about I can't or I can? Is it about who you were or who you are in Christ Jesus? Is it about it's just not possible or... mm, Everything is possible for the one who believes. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you so much that you're writing our story. You wrote our story before the foundation of the earth. You had destinies for every one of us. You placed the greatness within us from the beginning. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit, for the consuming fire. Thank you for the strength that that wells up, surges through us even this day. Thank you that your people are blessed highly favored, and Lord, that you're using every one of us to advance the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife at brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.